Welcome to Your Voice to the World. I'm Eddie Pinero, speaker, filmmaker, and storyteller, teaming up with Terrence McMahon, retired CEO and best-selling author. Having built multi-million dollar businesses and created lifestyle brands enjoyed by millions around the world, we've established a blueprint to do more and become more. Now we're joining forces to inspire you to share your voice and build the business and lifestyle you've always dreamed of. Welcome to Your Voice to the World. I'm Eddie Pinero. I'm Terrence McMahon. And today, you will be riveted. We're going to be talking about Riveted by Jim Davies and how we can take last week's concepts of storytelling and kick it up a notch. Make it riveting. Make it riveting. Love that word. I know. This actually, is the, the book title wasn't going to be riveted. It was going to be The Compellingness Foundation Theory. Which isn't very riveting. That's right. <laughs> he changed it because uh, this, the book is all about how to become more interesting, more compelling, and how to get people to pay attention to your story, which is a good lead-in from what we did last week. It's perfect. Yeah, because the question, the question we always ask when we're picking a book is like, how does someone starting a business or creating or building, like what value... Well, they take away from this, and we think this is a big one. It's, um, you know, based on what you're offering, the stories you're telling, what are some tweaks, what are some things, what are some ways you can position your arguments so that, you know, your story kills it, your brand kills it, that it connects with people um, mentally. It, you know, we, we've uh, touched a little bit on one of my favorite um, topics, which is the cognitive biases. Yeah. And I didn't even know this when we, we read this book uh, Chapter, I think, six talks about uh, the psychology of bias and all the evolution embedded in biases and how we behave. And because riveting, the, you know, the first principle in riveting is uh, people pay attention to people. Mm. And it goes down to the status. And we pay particular attention to people that are either equal, equal our own status, right. above our status, but falling or below our status and rising, chasing us. Yeah. Now, wild? It is. And cool caveat is we don't even know we're doing it, right? So this is right. like the stuff that we're interested in. Like, uh, I my thought went to like YouTube suggested lists and it's stuff you got to click and you're watching. It's like, why the hell am I watching this? <laughs> and it's because a lot of it is because of the biases mentioned in this book, you know, stuff that... So the example you just mentioned, we're more inclined to be interested in someone we know or someone we're aware of going down in status mm. or someone on a social hierarchy moving up in status because it 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 subconsciously threatens our position right right and so right. we want to be aware of that because back you know thousands and thousands of years that's a survival mechanism yeah it's made you create allies status is an ally creator it's mm. a it's a treaty that you make with somebody or if you're falling it's a broken treaty Right. Falls apart. Like think about your, your, um, your, I think you just hit 200,000 subscribers. Big day. That's uh, what's that? Eight Fenway parks. That's so <laughs> weird when Red you Sox. think about it like that. Yeah. A couple well, Red Sox fans. Yeah. yeah. 200,000 people, uh, like your content enough that they follow it. What if someone had that started earlier than you, that went from 50,000 to 100,000 quicker. You'd notice my, that. Yeah, my ears would perk right up, right? Because right. you want to know what they're doing. Right. Yeah. yeah. 
whatever they're smoking, share it with others. Uh, but that's, that's, that's what stat, but status is all about, um, improving your, your, your allies. I mean, becoming and becoming more interesting, I guess, and, and more, and more, um, you know, more useful to know hmm. a change in status. Uh, you know, someone going, someone falling or someone rising mm-hmm. is related to the stories. That's what makes us interesting. Mm. And that's what makes stories interesting. Because we talked last episode about how your story could be more interesting or how you can tell a compelling story. But your story has to t- tell a story about someone going from one place to another. Right. To, to, trans- to transport. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, again, it's just so relevant. So one, one of the videos that I watched recently that came up in, in a, again, a suggested feed was Peter McKinnon, who's now you know, a, a staple. He's a, a very successful YouTuber. Talks about his rise. Mm-hmm. And it's just so interesting. It's like, why? What, you know, it almost gives you this feeling in your stomach. Like you can't even, I can't even articulate it, but it's just, you get pulled into that because I need to know the story. I need to, you know, right. so whoever created that video positioned it in a way where me as a consumer, I'm like, Oh my God, you know, I got to know. Right. It, yeah. Curious. Uh, because another, another part of the, another part of riveting is what, what we as, as humans, as we've evolved, we've, we've, we've um, become incredibly interested in patterns. Right. Little babies are born and they don't know anything and they are, are helpless. We're one of the only species that needs someone to, to bring the babies up until almost 18, 17 years old, whatever. And they're constantly figuring out these patterns. And, and once you get a, a pattern figured out, when a baby gets a pattern figured out, there's a hit of dopamine. There's a hit of a of pleasure. So right. that's our whole life. But the opposite of which is incongruity. When the pattern isn't making sense, it creates what's called curiosity. Yeah. Which is another cognitive bias. Like when we're curious, we're like, or, we're a curious species. We want to figure shit out. So let's talk about tactically then. So yeah. someone watching this and we're talking about patterns, right? Patterns are something that we're, um, you know, biologically predispositioned to be um, aware of and attracted to. Um, how can someone watching this or a viewer use that in a positive way? Because it ties into branding and it ties mm. into all the things that make up a good business. Well, you're not going to be compelled to look at something that is a familiar pattern to you. You want you want to be either novel or curious. I think those are two of the of the of the biases that people are attracted to. What's what's new, and what's what 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 can you be curious about? And if you can combine that with two of the other things that are riveting, either hope or fear. Mm-hmm. Okay, things that you hope are true that can help you solve something that's not resolved, or some kind of thing that's out there, or something that you fear is true that can hurt you. Those are both both. Uh, riveting like people like that stuff so if you can if you can create a story that is curious or novel that helps you solve a problem you know or or alleviate someone from fear which is another a cousin of pain Mm -hmm. that's interesting right like running in the rain for instance right you know you're you're you don't want to do something and you want to advance your way through you know that that i don't even know why i brought that up well it's it's a it's a a status (laughs) Uh, you're, you're starting out at a low point and you're making your way forward because right. it's very easy. I think it ties into the identity thing too, where it's like you are what you believe you are. And so you sort of lock yourself into a particular position, particular identity and running in the reins about almost 
to your point, right? Your, your dominoes. It's mm. like, if you do the little things that suck, you elevate your status, you change your life, you put yourself in a position to win. Um, and that's obviously appealing to people. You know, right. I don't think there's anyone out there that wouldn't, um, want to move closer to their ideal state. Right. Cause they want to, they want to improve, improve their position. And, and, you know, if you're falling, uh, one of the, one of the things about status is, uh, as we tell status and stories, it's all through narrative, right. you know, which has a character and the character is, is, uh, is, is usually involved in some form of conflict. So that conflict's either going to, either going to make you fall or make you rise, mm. right? Nothing's interesting unless there's conflict. It's like, yeah, it's like a, in the cartoons, like a, um, you walk into this cloud of dust and you come out, it's going to be different, maybe worse, mm. maybe better, but it's going to be different. Right, right. Mm-hmm. And that conflict is, is where you, uh, you change, you adapt. I mean, I'd like to think it might position you like life. Sometimes the conflict, the things we face in life might put us, uh, in a difficult spot. But also at the same time, and you're 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 improving. You're positioning yourself to succeed because, like we talk about frequently, those negative situations are are actually what propel you. Mm. Um, but that all comes from conflict. Conflict's that room you walk into, and you're walking out a different person. The question is, what do you do with it? Right. Do you run in the rain or do you not? I was talking to a, to a kid that uh, I worked with, and he 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 was a smart as a whip, like totally smart. He's actually in the intervention business, which is incredibly interesting business. He talked about all these stories about people that were on crystal meth or they're on heroin and they've been, uh, you know, one kid was digging these uh, fictitious worms out of his arm because he was reacting to the, the crystal meth. And every time I talked to him and interviewed him, he was like a little boring mm-hmm. and he wasn't wor- wondering why, uh, why he had, uh, people weren't, like attaching to his story, not sharing his stories. I said, well, you'd be a little more uh, riveting if you were, you know, told something more interesting about yourself. Right. And he said, uh, he says, well, I'm interesting. I said, wow. So he goes, well, I was, uh, I was abducted when I was five for 15 years. That's a story. Like, That's pretty, <laughs> riveting. <laughs> pretty riveting. I'd I, unpack <laughs> that for your audience. Well, I knew the kid for like a year and a half before he ever told me. I said, why didn't you tell? He was like literally on a milk carton and he didn't put that into his narrative. He didn't talk about how he was, he was this one, you know, a, a little, a little kid and then he got abducted and then he went, you know, lost 15 years of his life Jeez. and then something happened. That's riveting. That's interesting. Right. Um, the, but the three part story, story system that we talked about, you have backstory, conflict resolution and he he let he he failed to 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 um he failed to include that and a lot of times we see we work on people's story and brands you'll see someone who has a you know this is who i am i went to this school i got married i bought this house i live in boston i got two kids okay that's not necessarily riveting it's not gonna hurt you there's no novelty yeah so you gotta dig right everyone's gone through something if you <laughs> if you haven't, you've been connected to 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 something, right? Or you you even come across every once in a while, uh, maybe an internet marketer that fabricates that <laughs> that little transition. <laughs> we we have big fun of them, yeah. Yeah, uh, but last night, so the three of us went to a movie. What was the name of it? Oh, the Ford versus Ferrari. That movie? was Ford versus Ferrari. Yeah, we. Oh, that was loaded with it every time. So it's like. We, I felt like we couldn't even dip into the movie because we'd be looking at each other and be like, story, story. Oh, yeah. There's one, there's one point where the guy, uh, he's giving a presentation and um, 
no data or he, he is giving data for a while and the uh you know ford is like i don't i don't care and then he gets into the emotion taps into right. the heartstrings and the music comes in and everyone's like oh yeah like, story that's how you sell ideas that was wait he woke up henry ford yeah yeah he said he told a story on how uh how he wouldn't be just a shadow of his father right He'd be the guy that was a good movie that was that was all about uh someone who was high in status right um what was his name shelby uh, the driver who won the Le Mans and then I think he ended up having to leave because he had a heart problem and then he was this kind of car salesman building engines and then Ford Ford got in a, in a like an arms race with with uh, trying to do sports cards when they brought the Mustang out so they, they hired this team of all wash-ups it was a, an old driver and this guy Shelby to build what was his partner's name do you remember Miles Miles, Miles? Miller Miller. What Miles. was it? Ken Miles. Ken, Ken, Miles. Ken Miles. Yeah, the driver. It's a famous driver. Yeah, that was a, stat, a huge status transformation. Oh, yeah. So he, he ended up going from a mechanic to the, he won the, uh, he won all three races in a row. But it was, it's all about that. Now, that's interesting. That's what makes box office hits. So if you have a story and you're not adding elements of conflict and elements of status change, uh, either someone chasing you that can hurt you or someone falling that you can overcome, and it doesn't have to be a person, it just can be a, like an event. That's a big part of making a story more interesting and making it compelling. Yeah. Um, and it's cool the way he talks about it. It's like the stuff that's under the hood, you know, like the, the brain, the frontal lobe, or what are you, prefrontal cortex that we're aware of. Mm-hmm. And then the sort of lizard brain, the, <laughs> the stuff that's really ingrained in us that we share with you know, people, the reptilian. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, not people, but yeah. Yeah. One's, one's, one's a millions of years old. And the other one's, I think hundreds of thousands of years old. There, there was, there's been a, you were talking about a, a, a interesting point. I'll ask you about in a second, the tug of war between the old brain, which we, which is the reactive brain. That's the one that, that it's instinctual. And then the new one knows better right. with sugar. Cause we're not, you know, we're not, we're not, uh, scarce in calories anymore and sugar's fast acting energy so you you know every time you, you tug a war with the, the old brain you always lose even right. though you know it's better well that that's the thing that's so interesting it's like these these hat like if you take them and you apply them to marketing or whatever whatever pursuit you know uh it's not the new brain you're looking at it's the mm. old one you're trying to tap into right you know it's it's the almost the subconscious what was the thing you said the, the elephant and the rider. The elephant and the rider. Yeah, talk about that. Yeah. Cool. So, this is Jonathan Haidt's um, metaphor, where he's talking about the rational brain versus the emotional brain, and he talk he paints it in, in the way of a big elephant on a path with a rider on top, and the rider on top is a rational brain. The elephant is the emotional uh, components of the brain, and it's like. The, the rider's technically in control, but if the elephant or the emotional part's not captivated, it's not going to go anywhere, right? The rider can't get off and push that elephant anywhere. You need to be emotionally captivated. Your emotions have to line up with what you're trying to do right. before there will be any progress. And then the path being sort of the third component where, you know, you obviously want to mitigate obstacles and make it as easy for you as possible right but yeah so basically long story short you got that in tandem the rider the rational brain the elephant uh which is the emotional piece your entire brand is based upon getting people off the dime yeah against against because the, 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 the elephant doesn't want to move remember the on, on top of uh, fast acting energy the second one is conserving like people want to rest 
Right. 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 That's yeah. why the brain, the brain shuts down if you're not interesting. Right. We spend 30% of our, our time uh, in, the, in the day daydreaming because when the brain shuts down, I just read this, that 30% of the day we spend in daydreaming when something's not interesting, like if this podcast isn't interesting, people just switch it off. Right. But if you're in a, if I was, I've been doing speeches and I know I'm losing people and I see people like falling asleep, like, because if it's not helping someone survive or conserve energy or they get their, they, they're done. It's, it's, it's all, that's uh, Maslow's hierarchy. The first one is survival. The second one is safety and, and which is, you know, being safe. And the third one's uh, procreating. And, but if, if it's not helping them, those three things, they shut it down. Right. Like the car at the stoplight. Now my car just goes, boop. the engine shuts off. It's conserving energy. But in why knowing that is so, so powerful. Like, so for example, in the mornings, you know, and this is a recent thing. Um, but I started playing that, uh, McRaven speech for a week and a half really? every day. And it just, the impact is it puts me in such an emotive state. I feel so excited and just so like, it almost gives an importance to what I'm doing. Whereas if, if, if I skip that, it's, it's hard to manufacture that type of thing. What's, is that the make your bed speech? I love that speech. Yeah. yeah. I'll say that a million times. I think that's the best speech I've ever heard written. Uh, he's right there. And then they, they, uh, they, I mean, that's in my lifetime. We'll put it that way. But yeah, there's I mean, been some pretty good ones. <laughs> you know what? You know what that does? I mean, it's, it's, it's a, it's a sidebar, but it's, it's, it's similar that it, get, it creates momentum. Yeah. Oh yeah. And, and, the, and being riveted and having a story. Cause you're, when you tell a story to someone, you're introducing your idea to somebody mm -hmm. and it better be novel and curious that creates riveting. If it's about people and stories, even better. If it's about avoiding pain or gaining pleasure, even better. And once you get that and you can have them to take one step to advance into your ecosystem, you know, to, how to take your story. Um, that's why it's so important. I'm sure for your videos to be interesting, quick, right? Right. Cause you, I remember you were talking with Evan Carmichael that I saw you guys evaluate a video. He, he, he said that you're, you know, people were leaving at some, for some reason at some point. No, they were staying for yours, and we were the, another person at the uh, mastermind, they were leaving. Right, there were certain, so like the end, you can see when people drop off, yeah. right? And so for, for me, I mean, I, I'm fortunate in that my, my um, what's the word? where people stick around retention, retention rates pretty high. Mm -hmm. But when I get cued at the end and I make some little outro or something right. like that, boom, gone, no one cares. And so it's like, you can tell there's data points that say, look, here's where you stopped captivating your audience. Right. And it always ties to moving from story to, I don't know, something where I'm promoting something or something along those lines. Or, um, I remember the, the, um, somebody had a, an introduction to their videos where everyone was falling off. It was yeah. the same one every time. And then they learned from it too. Right. Yeah. Right. They, they learned. That it's, it. it's hard because like it's, it's a cool intro. Right. But it's like, people don't care. They yeah. want the content. Yeah. They want to get at it. Yeah. You know, yeah, the, the doctors say enough with the labor pain. Uh, give me the baby. Um, <laughs> it's like, you know, you want, you want to get at it, at it pretty, pretty quick. So I like going back to our experiences and kind of applying some of this stuff so that listeners can kind of get a feel for how we use this, how we utilize some of these concepts. Now I'll never forget being in that boardroom. I went with you to, um, this was in Tampa and we're sitting in a group, um, or, or there's a group of us and I'm kind of a fly on the wall. You're talking about insurance and 
um, you know, the, the CEO goes, you know, Terrence, um, you know, broke records, whatever. He was the, the lead producer. And people are like, where, New York? California? He's like, no, New Hampshire. And everyone's like, oh, my God, that's crazy. Mm-hmm. And so the reason being you captivated people in a very unique way. You told a story in a very unique way. You were riveting. And I'd be curious to know, like, big picture, holistically, is there anything that, like, you can point to that be like, this is why I stood out. This is why in New Hampshire, I, I was able to have this much success. Well, that's a good, that's, that's a very good question. Um, what, one of the, one of the reasons, if, if, it's, um, and I'll tell you a story to answer that question, because I was recruiting an individual once, and he was a number, like a number four person in a number 15 ranked c- company with an organization. And we were recruiting him. He would have been the number two person at a number four shop, even though the, the organization we were recruiting to was smaller than the one he was currently with. So he didn't get a he didn't get a change in in um, he didn't get a change in pay per se. We paid him pretty good. Right, hang on, hang on, back. Just sorry, I'm slow here. So he was in a, a smaller company, but was a bigger fish in that pond. He was with a he was a smaller person in a bigger company. He was, okay. Yeah. So he was a he was he was paid. We ended up paying him the exact same amount of money, very close. Yeah. Say. And but he ended up becoming a more significant player in the smaller company. His status was elevated. I see. So okay. So when, when we recruited him, and, and it's relevant relevant to to why, what what happened in New Hampshire because we were the biggest fish in a small pond, and we we really exploited that. We were mm-hmm. the six hundred pound gorilla. We were the elephant in that market so we went anywhere we wanted and we you know when it got down to dollars and cents we would we could either out market out out implement or out sell um but when that individual was changed in status um he made the move because he 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 saw his status increase i believe he went from being a number four person in a very large company so strike that let me back up he went from being the number four person in a number 15 or organization mm-hmm. to the number two person in a number four organization. So he went from being way off number one to really close, even though the actual pay was no different. A lot of times you can hire someone just by changing their title. I've, people, I've read studies on that. Oh, no, I mean, I've done, I've made up, I've made up roles for people and they were real roles, but I've done that to, to create a position that allowed them to feel good about what they do mm. or to feel feel as good as they should about what they were currently doing that their current employer would 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 uh would neglect to recognize them for sometimes it's not even about pay it's just about feeling like you add value it's it's i think recognition is uh and then every study we've ever done people were way more motivated by recognition than they were pay yeah yeah it was always recognition it's like that's status and so that was a big part of your strategy then Always, always, yeah. We had, uh, I mean, some companies won't, for whatever reason, they, they keep changing titles and as they dilute the, the, the you know, bigger companies, a lot of management, and, they, and they, 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 re- they, don't, they don't understand how important it is to have status in what you call yourself, mm. right? When I started calling myself an author, it sounded better than being retired. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Right? Nothing really changed. Right. Um, you know, I introduced myself as an author instead of a retired uh, CEO. Self-narrative. Yeah. Yeah, it makes you feel better too. Right. Of course. Yeah. yeah. Um, t- you know, he, he, he in Riveted, he talks about the power of fiction. Because um, people are riveted by stories 
because they the story was a way for someone to learn without actually experiencing something. Right? We referenced uh, Warren Buffett last week, right? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. you don't you don't have to the power of mentors, right? Like you don't have to endure, go through the hardships, go through the hell. You can learn and fast track. Right. And um I think that's that's an incredible thing. I always say the counter the counter to that is um it's very easy to lose your sense of self and what makes you unique. Mm -hmm. I, I just like to always throw that ca caveat in because it's real easy, you know, to go online and see how uh, James dribbles a basketball or Bezos builds a business. And, and the idea is, well, I want to streamline it. I want to copy that. And that makes perfect sense. Right. But like your unique components combined with that also, whoops, also um, are, are what ultimately changes the world. Like you want to be your version of that. You know. Right, right. Steve, what, you're quiet over there. You got a question for us? Sure. Um, I was thinking like moving forward, like knowing this thing, kind of revisiting this book, is there anything you'd, you're going to kind of do differently maybe in your videos? Or how would someone building a business that doesn't really have a story about themselves, like a conflict that they've run into, if they're just trying to build a business, how do they use these biases, these different things that you learned from this book to make a riveting story about their business that they're creating? I think it's awareness. I mean, you know, it's, it's, and this is not like you need every single one of these. It's just kind of, it, it's referencing, um, our impulse, you know, and if things, you know, move us to our hopes and dreams or mitigate our fears, we're more inclined to engage in conversation and become part of something and ultimately maybe become a customer, become part of your community. And so it's just, it's, it's another one of these things to me that calls you to step back and think about what you're doing so you can be strategic in your approach because yeah, I mean, Instagram's the biggest, uh, the biggest flag for me because it's like, you're trying to engage an audience. That's literally what you're doing with every post for better or for worse. You're trying to captivate. And sometimes I put things out and they do well. Sometimes they don't. Everyone's in that boat. We want to know why, what works, how can we do this more consistently? I mean, there's, there's a map in here. It tells you why people are, are attracted to certain things and what they like. And so it's just another tool. It's another uh, a component of awareness. Well, when you're testing things, Steve, and you're not getting the results that you want, and you want to be a little scientific about it, you just want to randomly wander around and change your story. There's reasons people react to things. That's the whole purpose we picked Riveted. Right. That there's cognitive, psychological triggers of super reaction mm. and to be methodical the next book we're talking about poor charlie's almanac and all Char charlie munger's stuff who's my hero talks about cognitive biases but in this book he's mentioned it in a full chapter that there are 90 cognitive biases that's people that uh, there's a bias towards negativity I thought I was your hero. People have, you, know, you might be, you're my, you're my motivational hero. I still listen. It's, it's kind of weird when I'm listening to your video and you walk into my house, by the way, it gets a little strange. I think I got some oh kind my of, God, that's great. I don't know. They get me going. I like the one. I like that. I don't want to be the one. I still want to be the one, by the way. You're the one. You I wanna, are. That, that'll mean a, a, a change in status for me. But the one. But there's, there, there's things that make people react and people react to cognitive biases. The first one is, is reward. Mm. The number one, if you can help someone through your story, be riveted to get them a reward, and a reward could mean an increase in status. It could mean um, just something that they want. That's the most powerful one. The second most powerful one is uh, pain, pain avoidance. 
people will do five times more things to avoid pain than they will gain pleasure. Right. All Which right. is the who are we listening to? The selling formula, where it's like put them in pain. Like you, you, you want to expose. Put them in pain's a bad way to put it, but you want to expose your potential client's pain points, right? And then show them the way out. You, you want to put the cook in the kitchen, make them feel it, right? And that's 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 pain. And when you have that, all you got to really do, if you want to see riveted, there's a lot of real science in in the. It's called in sales. Look at Amazon. He has very deliberately put many of these cognitive triggers on that site. Oh yeah. You'll see reward bias, you know, get X number of dollars off. You'll see uh, pain, pain there. Like don't, if you don't buy it in within a certain amount of time, you don't get it. Scarcity, clicking, t- ticking clock, two left. Scarcity, tons of authority and social proof with yep. all the reviews and things like that. It's, it's what, what, what uh, you'll find out when you put two or three of them together, mm. it creates what Charlie Munger calls the Lollapalooza effect. It just makes you like completely insane to take action. That's riveting. Riveting is if you can combine, com- combine a high amount of reward while eliminating pain and making it available and sca- you know and scarce and available, you'll have your clients moving towards what you can do to help them. Right. Um, there is a lot of room for abuse because. Uh, what do you mean abuse? Well, if you know this science, you can use it for for bad. You can use it for evil. Oh. You can make people super react to something that's not serving them. You'll see it a lot. Mm. There's a lot of a lot of uh, unethical use of the cognitive triggers. Right. You know, authority. You know, giving someone the false sense of authority, presenting yourself for someone that you're really not. A lot of it's trash. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like fifty percent or ninety percent of all doctors self-identify as being above average. Mm. Do you realize that? Mathematically impossible. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Same thing with drivers, right? That always cracked me up too. Same number, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That's called uh, excessive self-regard bias. So people think they're better than they really are. Right. Um, So curiosity and novelty are both cognitive biases because of what we talked about earlier. People want to discover patterns. So if you're presenting something that could, is is something that that they're curious about, Mm Um, you'll see it a lot of times on these ads where someone says, you know, there's two foods that you're eating that could be killing you right now. And they'll show a picture of a banana. Click here to find out which one it is. Maybe right. you're eating it. And all of a sudden you're on some foolish website. Clickbait is like the definition of misusing this. Yeah, of course. Really yeah, I mean, is. what are you clicking into? Right, right. Yeah. I've seen, I've seen so much, so many uh, examples of this, but there's some core, uh, cognitive biases that you should study and learn about. And, and you don't have to. Uh, be a PhD in psychology, they're available. Yeah. Um, he, 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 uh, talks about, this guy's a pretty interesting guy. He talks about it. He wants to have a psychological immunity system where he can teach people some of the scientists to protect them from misjudgment. Cause, uh, Charlie Munger says a lot of misjudgment using the cognitive biases. You do things you're not supposed to do like a, like a loud, loud outcry auction. It's like a superpower. You end up with some grandfather clock you don't want because you're trying to impress somebody else that you, you buy this clock or this painting, like that one I have right there. Well, it's it's fun. It, I mean, truly, though, just knowing that anytime now I'm online, and I see this all the time, everyone does, two left, 50% off until this time. It's like none of that's true. You realize like the entire, it's it's all manufactured. All of it. All of yeah. it. <laughs> but but I've lived 31, 32 years without knowing that. Yeah. It's just, yeah. I mean, and you, it's an it's awareness that's really helpful. Well, especially if whatever is left and scarce can improve your status 
give you a reward, take away pain, or alleviate curiosity. Right. Those are all those. And then um, that, that's, that's everything. The cognitive biases that we talk about in the next podcast is all about how to, you know, how to position your product to help people get out of pain and get, get into pleasure and do it faster, right? And mm. conserve energy and get better results. You know what would be fun to do? What? Like take something like an Apple commercial that I think is so brilliant, right? So you have an I, uh, an iPhone commercial, but there's mm. no iPhone. And it's just people like dancing around in the rain and you're like, oh, God. Like that's so amazing. I want that. Yeah, the transportation theory, right? It transports you into, into that. Right. But utilizing the things he mentions here. You know what? I, I, my, my, my first thought is like maybe st- status because it elevates, I don't know, having the latest version is like, a, it's definitely a novelty thing. I, I don't know. I just thought it'd be fun to kind of piece that together because I, I watch every time I see one of those commercials, I'm like, that's just magic. Like that's so brilliantly done. He gets you. He gets you. He gets you. <laughs> I can't. I walked into Apple yesterday with my son. Yeah. We were in Apple. And the guy walked up to me and says, What would you like? I says, I have everything, but I want to buy something. Right, right. <laughs> I don't know why. I want to feel like that guy in the commercial. They, 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 Apple makes you feel, it, you know, when you go, go from doing the feeling, you've hit the mark. It's the definitely story. the elephant it's tapping into. Yeah. But. Yeah. The, the, and then um, fiction, you know, things that aren't true, learning from fiction, that's a big deal when mm-hmm. you talk about, um, you know, your story. Um, because that came up too. Is like, how, how, you know, you, you, you see like, uh, you were talking about uh, Nemo, right? The fish, the stupid fish Someone thing. Was it? Was it? So, oh, you, you something talk- we were watching earlier, the Nemo thing. Oh, were you thing. talking about Nemo? There's a way I wanted to connect the dots to, I saw something that could, it could be a good way to. Get- Dude, is it just hopes? It's like, it's, it's like what you aspire to be because it's clearly not a phone. It's a gateway to communicate social media, portray yourself a certain way. It almost is a tool for recreation. To me, it feels like the creative inspiration. Like the, when I see Apple commercials, this like makes you feel like you want to create stuff. And that's like a lot of their products that I like about them, like compared to like PC and different things. It's like very smooth to create they like, tailor to creators yeah. so i think that's what the commercials kind of represent as well it's like they're so creative and they inspire you to do that and us as creators we want to you want to feel that as well well you feel good when you figure a pattern out i mean that, when you figure out a pattern your brain is programmed to reward you that's why we're constantly all these kids play with their phones it's a pattern device it's like a dopamine machine these these video game makers make these games so that there's patterns constantly being figured out and there's constant incongruity that you make congruent. All the games and video games are, are designed to do that. But life's designed to do that. But could that be it? Connecting the dots from that, this, to a feeling of happiness. Like, that's a pattern. It seems to make a lot of people happy. If I'm, 
or at least, at least temporarily the dopamine will last. whatever <laughs> happiness is means but you know we're 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 uh programmed to be want to be in happy you know happiness so the reward the reward system which is the number one cognitive bias is is a uh, dopamine feedback it's it's reward pl in pleasure zones in the brain mm -hmm. so as we're doing something and we're solving problems and solving patterns we get we get uh you know, we get rewarded and that, and that, and that, and that, anything that helps you do that is riveting. Anything that helps you do that is compelling. Yeah. Like if you could, if you could take a pill and, and remember more, let's, there's commercials about that, right? You could take a pill and remember more. Would you be inclined to do that if it was safe? Yes. How much would you pay? A lot. Everything. Everything. Right? Yeah. yeah. You can make everything more by being able to do that. And that's where a lot of times you'll see advertisers use the cognitive biases in an unethical way because it probably doesn't do that. There's a lot of claims. These crazy claims are not FDA FDA approved drugs and people are this does this or this does that. And then down the bottom it says uh, results are not typical. Mm -hmm. It's like, come on, man. We know. We see. Like we've read. Like you, you got that, that foolish dunk uh, training program. You can't help me dunk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I guess you wouldn't be in my market. <laughs> can't help a 50-year-old uh, former plus size supermodel dunk. That'd be big. That'd be a big uh, YouTube channel. Plus size supermodel can jam. If you can make him dunk, you will be a millionaire in a week. Yeah. We were talking about that today. I, I was like, it, it's not zero percent. It's not zero percent. If I could touch the rim, can I dunk? If you can really touch the rim, then I think you you can. It's just a matter of like what state your like muscles and you tendons are in. Yeah, you just have to change a lot of your personal habits. Well, I got a left knee problem. Can I dunk on one leg? It's a, kind of like a race against time at this point. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> it's not, Basically, it's not you're dead, that. bro. <laughs> <laughs> it's not even that. It's just that like the, the, the amount of time tendons take to get stronger and like be able to withstand the force of a jump takes a long time. And like by the time that happens, it's like bodies. It's like it's hard. Well, you have a, you're in the dunking business, right? You want to create riveting content. You have riveting content. Why do you think people watch it? I think because it's something they aspire to do a lot. Of, like who, like as a young boy growing up, like everyone I knew would love to dunk. Whenever there was a low rim, we'd love to go dunk. If there was a trampoline, we'd love to go dunk. So it's always been like everyone's dream to like dunk. And it looks like a dream type of activity. So right. I feel like the, especially myself, when I got inspired to do it is I saw somebody that was average doing it. So that was extremely riveting because it's it made me believe that i could do it and that also that i could live out a dream like that right which would be what which would happen if, if someone can dunk what would that really be it's a reward what is also a change status, status. Yeah, exactly makes, yeah you can you. dunk because you're you're part of a, a unique yeah i can say i jump higher than you and i could dunk on you yeah we 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 didn't have any uh we, we had a kid that was six foot six or six seven that couldn't dunk on our basketball team I mean, fix it's, him it's right relatively up. rare to, yeah. to, to find someone that can dunk, but that elevates your status. So people are right. watching that. It's compelling because you are not a typical person that can dunk. Sure, a basketball. basically, it's like the most. It's a simpler. Like the See, that's my personal opinion too. I and I don't have any data, but I I think it's because you see someone literally moving. Up when in the dunking world, like a status, like that sh should most five nine five ten people can't windmill dunk. Mm -hmm. You can, I think it's, and that makes it entertaining. I don't know how many of your followers themselves have dreamed about dunking. Mm -hmm. I think about that a lot because, like, I it goes from instructing to entertaining. Right. You know, 
And I'm just saying, we talk about this but, all the time. We're like, we play around with stuff. But if you're um, if you're on a commercial, if you're if you're if you're if Steve was selling his program, he says, "Are you five foot nine like me, and you never want to dunk, and you want to be part of the few people that could dunk?" Well, guess what? That's a pill. I have a secret yeah. formula that I use. Someone who's five nine to dunk, and I can teach anybody who's five nine or taller to learn how to dunk within ninety days. So put a number right now. What percentage of people that watch Dunk Life do you think? go out after watching one of your videos, pick up a basketball and, and try or, um, well, there are, I get a lot of comments that are saying that like my, one of my favorite parts about it is that they get motivated to go work out. They get motivated to go try. Yeah. And like those are like the most riveting comments if I keep using that word, but it's just, that's inspiring for me and also motivating for me to make the content. You're but moving as, people. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it, it is. That's like the best part um, because I was in their place too and I got super moved by it. So to be a part of that. But as far as the percentage of people that are going to do it, um, I think a lot more than what's cool is that it's a lot more than people that were just watching it on TV. Like, for example, like a kid watching NBA and he sees like Nate Robinson dunk, who's five nine in the NBA. Like when they see him dunk, they're not saying, oh, let me go try because he's my height. But because I'm making content and they, they can see my videos and they can go back and easily go to my YouTube channel and see my oldest videos where I wasn't dunking at all, like barely touching the rim, mm -hmm. I think that makes it compelling because you see the bridge mm -hmm. and you see that you see my own status change, quote unquote, of like me going from not being able to doing it to doing it. So yeah. I think it, it raises the percentage, but I don't know if it's like, I definitely think a big percentage of my viewers get motivated to go attempt or go start training yeah i'm genuinely because i watch every video you put out i love awesome. your stuff yeah yeah but I, I i can't remember the last time i've tried dunking That's i like to you like to watch it even though you can't do it because you can live through it's just amazing it's just amazing to yeah. watch that's what the role-playing games are about mm -hmm. so that in its own way is compelling and in steve's case like his we were having a conversation about this today is like when people get when you get aged out there'll be a time when you won't be able to do that anymore mm -hmm. And but you still have the technology that you use to piece together to go from one social status to a way another one, way higher one. Right. Um, that is, if you can connect those dots, that story of how you did one thing and now you can use that to do anything, which is the name of your book, right? Don't right. do anything. That's riveting. That's that's compelling. Like, uh, what's the most compelling? video i'll give you a second to answer but I, and, I'll, and i'll answer my own question first with the most common question i get of all the things i've been through and done in my life what do you think the most common question i get is with all the things you've done so someone just meeting you now i get this probably for people that know me and people that didn't know me but they don't know my story i get this how probably did you lose 80, weight? 80 percent of the time yeah it's how'd you lose so much weight 80 percent 80 percent of the time that's the question they ask it's compelling. You see a before and after picture. Like people are like, wow, how'd you do it? Right. It's called the story loop. Hero's journey. Yeah, it's a story loop. You see that, you know, and when I did my, my keynote at Your World Within Live, my first picture early on was I was 350 pound morbidly obese. And I'm standing there 200 pounds, not morbidly obese and alive. And I opened up a story loop. So people want to resolve that. It's curious. It's, there's incongruency. That's all part of mm. part of that. So what videos, what parts of your journey do people get curious about with you that you think is riveting or compelling? Um, I think it's the, the filler between the dots of being dis, you know, not content to doing something that I love to do, that I'm proud of, and that you know, 
has given me the freedom to live how I want to live. So that's a big, you know, that's a big story loop too. It's like, how do you fill those dots? Because so many people probably are not content. Right. It's a common. They want to be fulfilled. And it depends too, if you're macro or micro. I mean, everyone's got something that that, that perhaps they're not thrilled with that they'd like to fix. Hmm. And so you can take, you can take lessons and experiences and apply them to, you know, anything. Like I've, I get messages sometimes about just running, you know, Eddie, I, I see you talk about running a lot and how it's helped you. I don't usually run, but it sounds like it'd be a cool thing to start. What can I do? That's not necessarily a crisis or a problem, mm. but it's a beginning point or a point of, of friction, tension, discontent to something that can be rewarding. I have another one Hit that me. I think would be compelling. It was compelling when I first met you because I didn't know anything about that black box of, of, of social media, network, mar- whatever the hell that it is. <laughs> network marketing, but right. I met you and you're a cool dude and you know, reasonably cool. <laughs> and I thought, I was like, how the hell can you make a living? How can you pay your bills and not do anything? Like technically you don't do anything. Like, what do you do? That's that, well, that's Do you get that question? Yeah. What, what exactly do you do? <laughs> How do you explain it? It's, I always, I, I always say I don't have a great elevator speech. I have a hard time, right? It's a, it's a storytelling thing. So, you know, a couple times a week I'll write something and I'll create these little stories and I'll put them out on YouTube and that's the foundation. Like that's, um, and it, by the way, it took me a long time to get there. It's not like you just do that and all of a sudden life is fine and dandy, right? We've talked about this a million times. It takes years to get to a point where people are listening, you're adding value, you have credibility. Um, but so that's the foundation. And then from that, people want more. When you're helping people, when you're adding value, there's usually different avenues you can then take or pivot. Mm-hmm. And so... You know, that's where I write a lot of speeches for people. I create videos for people. I consult um, around branding and telling a story and building a message. And so all of those things fall under that umbrella. But, but to your point, you look at it and what do you see? You see a YouTube channel and you're like, uh, I don't get it. Right. Where are the right. legs that this stands on? Well, that's in itself is compelling. Do you want to learn how to make a, a, a good six figure li- uh, living, six figure income without leaving your house? Right. Right. You know, online. That's compelling. Yeah. Right? And, and people, they don't know, right? Because it's still, you know, sometimes it's being in a room 13 hours pumping this stuff out. Right. Sometimes it's three days in the Caymans where we mastermind for an hour a day and the rest kind of, right. it's, it's ups and downs. But this was a difficult, of all the ones we've done so far, this one was the hardest, I think. That it's just a lot to process. Because it's a very difficult topic to master. This is the most difficult one. You don't get 52 million views on YouTube without being riveted. Right. People are riveted. They're they're, they're compelled to watch. And I think the the summary is that people love to see characters go through, overcome conflict and and transform and get resolution, which is an, an increase in status. I mean, that's what people want and do. And I think that's what makes this book such a good read and so important if you want to share your message with the world and build it into a business. If you're not riveting and compelling, you better get a second job. Right, (laughs) yeah. And it's perfect to pair with last week's book too. Yeah. You know, if if you're looking for kind of the both sides of the coin, 
two quick reads that work very well together. Mm -hmm. The storytelling secrets, you know, creating a captivating story, selling yourself, presenting something. And then this being sort of the part two or the sequel where it's like, okay, what are some, some tools or tricks that I can do to really have a leg up or an advantage um, to take that home? I, I think coupling those two is pretty cool. Yeah, because you could take this, apply it to your existing marketing efforts. You're going to take it and apply it to your existing conversations and stories. If you know nothing about John's story, story, if you watch the last two episodes, you, you learn how to design a story, and now you can make supplemental changes in it to bring the most compelling parts out and get people to take action, which helps them come into your world. Within. Sweet. Next week's book is... Charlie Munger. Hubs up top. Boy? So poor Charlie... Poor Charlie's Almanac is actually in a pretty expensive book. It's like 150 bucks. So a lot of people don't want to run out and grab it. But this is a collection of all the secret sauce. A lot of people don't know that Charlie Munger is the vice chairman of Berkshire Hathaway, Warren Buffett's partner. And they've been partners for years. I just saw them uh, in Omaha at the stockholders meeting. I did a little thing out there for a group. And this book is going to be a little deep dive through the cognitive biases, the 25 cognitive biases, what he calls of humor, human super judgment, super misjudgment and judgment. Mm. Uh, the, the way that people react. Uh, it's a killer book. But we'll also be uh, drifting into some of the other stuff Charlie Munger's done. Yeah. So it's a great read. We're probably going to focus on that one particular chapter, right? right. The cognitive biases. Yep. Um, but yeah. Super excited. So it's a, a continuation. Hopefully you, you guys can see, you know, the progression that we've been making through sort of the journey from starting podcast one, um, you know, narrowing things down, telling your story, sharing a voice, um, creating captivating, riveting content. And, and we're going to keep pushing that, uh, pushing down the tracks. I think we're at the point where we want to take some audience participation, right, Steve? We got to do that. Yep. So we're looking at, we could just tweet at us, Facebook, anywhere you see the content on the YouTube channel, leave a comment. I'll get to it. You're probably going to deal with me. So ask your question. I'll ask it to these guys and then we'll answer it on the podcast. On that note, I think it's time to wrap up, wrap up here. Uh, poor Charlie's almanac next week. Your voice to the world. Take care guys. Take care.